What's good, friends? Ebony Chappelle coming to you with something rejuvenating and also something blessed for your podcast listening and viewing pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of What's Good with Ebony Chappelle. Hey, friends. Hey, um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you are a frequent listener or a viewer, welcome back. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. want to remind you guys to like and subscribe, rate and review, comment, um, share episodes of the show. Uh, if you feel so moved, let me put my earbuds back in. <laughs> um, and yeah, just let me know what you think. Um, I am so excited to be coming to you guys with this episode today. So right now I am coming to you from a new location. Um, I am in Colorado right now. I am in a really small town called Nederland, Colorado. And I'm here just to do some rejuvenation, um, do some re-energizing towards this latter half of the year and get my mind right for some of the things coming up in 2023. I've been doing some writing, I've been doing some meditating, some reading, and um, I got invited as part of a theologian in residence program that is um, put together by a Methodist church in Boulder, Colorado. So I feel so grateful and so honored to be here. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about the backstory to this. So um, I just want to take a moment to say Thank you to God, the universe, and all the beautiful things that are um, in this planet and in this plane of existence for the gift of friendship. Uh, friendship is the reason why I'm here right now. The pastor of the church is a new friend of mine, and um, I was invited through a really good friend of theirs um, just off of a conversation. So I was sitting on their porch, uh, my friend, I was sitting on their porch uh, back home in Indy and I was just talking about the fact that I felt like I was nearing burnout, honestly. Um, that's the easiest way for me to sum up what my feelings were at the time. I felt like I was nearing burnout. I was overwhelmed, overextended, really um, frustrated with so many different things that were going on at the time. And then they told me about this beautiful place that they go to sometimes just to get themselves together. And I thought, yeah, that sounds so beautiful. I would love to experience something like that. And I told them, I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Within a couple of minutes, y'all, they were on the phone with their friend, um, who was the pastor here. And I was invited to come and visit and to really take in this beautiful space. So I'll show you guys a little bit of what it looks like so that you can see what I mean. Um, it's breathtaking. So yeah, I've been up here for a few days and it has just been a really powerful time and I'm so, so grateful. And it's a perfect um, setup for the conversation today on the podcast. I am talking with Reverend Jeffrey A. Johnson II. Um, if you are in the Indianapolis area, you're probably familiar with his dad, who is the longtime pastor of Eastern Star, um, which is a really big church in the city. So um, Jeffrey A. Johnson II recently um, became the pastor of Pilgrim Baptist Church in the city. So I'm so, so excited for him and his family. Um, but he's someone that I just admire as um, a young person, 
uh, a person of faith, but somebody that really, um, you know, exhibits their faith in an authentic way, in a relatable way. So I'm so grateful for his presence. I'm so grateful for his gift and grateful for our conversation today. So I don't want to belabor the point. I just want to jump right into it and hope that you hear something in this conversation that blesses you. So without further ado, let's jump into it with Reverend Jeffrey A. Johnson II. I'm working on the PhD right now, so I'm like halfway in the program, which is still like three or four years left to go. So wow, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot, but you know, we, we invest now to mm-hmm. live the life that we want to live later. That is a really positive way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, very positive way to think about it. So yeah, we're definitely going to get into all of that. So I like to start off these conversations by asking people what's good with them. Mm-hmm. So it can be anything that is making you smile, that's bringing joy to your life right now. So what's good with Jay Johnson? What is good with me? Well, I'm learning how to balance uh, spending time with myself and pouring into myself so that I could be more effective uh, to the people who depend on me and uh, who are in my circle of influence. So uh, one thing that has been good with me is that I have, uh, I just wanted to go to the movies the other day. And that may be very small to somebody, but that was huge to me. Uh, I love movies. I enjoy watching movies. Uh, and more recently, I haven't, you know, obviously with the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, back in the swing of things, I haven't been to the movies in quite a long time. So I went to the movies uh, with my bonus son, Dylan, and nice. we, we pulled up to go see Jurassic Park, but we got there too late. And so we ended up watching the movie Lightyear. The origin oh, story. the Buzz Lightyear thing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I thought it was, I'm a Toy Story fan. I'm more so a fan of Woody than I am of Buzz. I was just gonna say, Buzz yeah. was not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I'm awaiting. I'm awaiting the Buzz. I mean, I'm awaiting the Woody origin story. I know we got a little yeah. bit in Toy Story too, but I need more. I need more in depth in that story. Yes, I feel like it would be a fabulous story. I haven't seen um, Toy Story since I want to say three. I think that was the last one I watched, and I didn't even watch the whole thing. And then there was was there another one after three? Oh, there was a Toy Story four. Okay, it wasn't their their best one out of the franchise? Yeah, I think they're going to branch off and you know dive into some of these characters a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing? First, I think it's really cool that you were able to take time and go to the movies because doing stuff like that is important. Yeah. Um, I went to the drive-in a lot. Um, during last year and the year before because it was like the safest thing to do so i would just get done with work and then like get in my car and drive over to the drive-in and just have you know that time to just kind of like get outside of all the you know day-to-day stuff yeah yeah but i was just gonna say i think it's so cool that something that came out when we were kids lasts long enough for your kids to see it and to see new versions of it isn't that wild? I just think that's, yeah, that's wild. Uh, a lot of nostalgia for sure. Like the first one came out of like 95. So what, I was what, seven maybe? Uh, mm-hmm. Seven or eight. So yeah, to see it still have such an impact now, which, you know, it's incredible. And then to be able to 
pass it on to the kids. I'm like, yo, this is what we, I don't know what kids watch now. I mean, a lot of like, you know, my, no my little young kids watch a lot of YouTube. So they're not really. I was just going to say, yeah, you know YouTube and TikTok. Yeah. So it's like a lot of like, you know, Paul Pro stuff. So they don't really get into like, you know, the storytelling. Like, you know, I mean, we got to, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we on Disney. You know what I'm saying? So we got a lot of stories to tell. So it's yeah. it's cool to kind of still see uh still see them alive and, and like really like still have an impact on the culture. hmm Yeah, it's amazing. It really makes me smile. Um so for people that are not familiar, um, tell them a little bit about yourself. I know you're a pastor and you're a dad and you're a PhD student, but how yeah. would you introduce yourself to to the folks that's a great question you know it's like the hardest thing to talk about yourself they say um Mm -hmm. you know i would i would uh describe myself as a uh creator the child of the creator as a creative as a um i am a husband to janelle i'm a father to uh dylan Kyle and Jeffrey Allen and Jeremiah August. Um, I'm an associate pastor right now at Eastern Star Church, and I am a PhD student uh, at CTS. The Africa for uh, the program is uh, the African American Preaching and Sacred Rhetoric PhD program. Um, and so currently, I have a lot of things on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, we are learning how to navigate with grace uh, towards myself and towards others in the midst. And I'm learning a lot about me in this process. Um, I don't want to get all into it. I'm supposed to introduce myself. I'm doing a horrible job of doing that. No, Uh, you're doing a great job of doing it. So yeah, just keep keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what podcasts are about. Exactly. Uh, But first of all, let me just say, I'm I'm, uh, appreciative of you reaching out to me and allowing me to be uh, a a part of of your podcast. And, uh, you do a lot of great work in the city and the community of Indianapolis. And so um, I'm grateful to be a part of, uh, of what's good, you know? So um, I appreciate that. I'm glad that you were able to make the time because I just, you're someone that I definitely admire and we got an opportunity to be on the radio together some years ago. And Back then, we did say we were going to do it again, but of course, life goes on and we never got a chance to do it again. That was um, yeah. so then, yes, everything Um, so yeah, I'm glad we were able to reconnect and make this happen, absolutely, absolutely. So, with the ministry piece, um, yeah. your a part of a church and you also have like a legacy you're a pk for people that don't know what that means that means preacher's kid so you come out of like a legacy of really excellent ministry work um is that something that you always saw for yourself or did you get older and realize okay this is kind of like a thing that i need to do Uh, i I never thought that i would be preaching or pastoring obviously (laughs) when i look back on it i kind of see like moments where I were kind of walking into it but Mm -hmm. that I would be doing this for a living uh growing up in the house kind of seeing my dad uh preach and pastor I wasn't I wasn't like yeah I want to be a pastor like I want to be a preacher like I wasn't (laughs) that good you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Um, 
Especially so, seeing it up close, I'm sure. Yeah, just seeing it up yeah. close and like uh, just the pressure of, you know, being the kid of the preacher. Mm-hmm. The do's and don'ts, you know, I'm not supposed to listen to certain music or wear my clothes a certain way or say yep. certain words and, you know, reminded of who my dad is all the time. Like, mm-hmm. not- Yes, because your dad is like damn near famous. So <laughs> it's like hard to go anywhere. And I have people be yeah. like, oh, there go Jeffrey Johnson's son. Like, exactly. yeah. And so that's how they know us as, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, well, uh, two of my brothers don't, they're not in the city anymore, but like mm-hmm. even still today with kids of my own, you know, yeah. I'll catch me out in the city. Ain't you Pastor Johnson's son? Like, I'm not even known as myself at this point. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. you know, so I grew up, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, I went off to school. I went to a school called Payne College in Augusta, Georgia. We see you there in Georgia. And I just lived the, you know, proverbial college life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, then, it was, but in that moment, though, I kind of felt a pull to preach. And um, so had a conversation with my dad and he told me the, the best way to kind of dive into that and explore that was to go back to school. So I finished up at Payne in 2014, that following uh, semester, I went to a school called the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. got my master's degree. And so from that, I mean, from then it was just on and popping. And at that point it was just trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to express my call and uh, the gift that I had. But, Mm-hmm. Growing up early on, I did not want to do any of this. And so, like you said, the legacy that I've been building my dad, um, it's uh, its just kind of interesting to see. Um, it's always, it, it's, it's a blessing and a challenge at the same time, like many things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a blessing to work with my dad, work alongside, you know, share the preaching responsibility at the church. But then on the flip side, you know, I'm the PK working in my dad's church and the pressures and the challenges that come alongside that as well. So um, yeah. it's definitely a roller coaster experience for sure up until this point. I can only imagine. And I have so many questions. So one, when you, can you describe what that initial inclination was that made you feel differently than you did when you were growing up and you were like, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. But yeah. what was that initial like turning point that made you feel something like, huh? Like mm. I need to explore. Man, you you asked some great questions. Um, you know, I kind of kind of know what I'm doing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, like, so I you know I kind of felt that in college. I kind of felt that that pull in college. And while I was there, like I said, like I left Indianapolis to a place where everybody knew us and me. Mm-hmm. you know um our family and so then to go down to augusta georgia in the south of the country and not necessarily know nobody nobody really knows me so i'm just like i'm about to just you know mm-hmm. wow. live your life like you know you know so i dip and dabbled in a couple things and during that time i wasn't going to church at all uh, I just, mm, what was that like? Quick sidebar squirrel moment. What was it like to not have to wake up early in the morning and go to church? So good, you know. You didn't I know. Have, <laughs> no parents or nobody telling you it's time to go to church. But we're gonna leave at this time. Get ready. Like, nah, none of that. Like, it was literally on me, uh, in with that piece. And so I mm-hmm. neglected that for like the first two years. Uh, I was down there. Like, I didn't want to go to nobody's church. I don't want to hear church. I don't want to rob past church. Like, I'm good on any of that. 
Um, and so that was really like the starting point, honestly, of, of me and um, just kind of some of the dumb decisions I was making and connecting mm-hmm. with certain people that kind of, you know, impacted a lot of the choices that I was making at that time. Um, but then, uh, and that's when I began to understand the importance of knowing God and uh, your relationship with God for yourself and not, yes. you know, um, your parents or other authority figures or people around you. Um, and so probably like, you know, two or three years into that college experience, I was like, you know what, I need to go to somebody's church. Like it was just a lot of, co- it was, I went to jail a couple of times. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was, a, <laughs> it, was wow. a, it was a crazy experience. And so like yeah. those moments where it's like, God is on, God is, 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 is trying to tell me something or trying to grab my attention. Mm-hmm. So what what it is that God is trying to tell me. So, you know, at that point, I went to a church down there in Augusta, Georgia, uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church, Pastor Charles Goodman Jr. He's still my guy there. Uh, and he really offered like mentorship and then opportunities for me to like, you know, connect with the youth and the young adults there. Um, I was growing in my own kind of like private, personal, devotional life. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just kind of cultivating my own theology and uh, relationship with the church beyond my parents and my family. And yeah. it was at that point um, where I was being becoming more serious about my faith, where I, you know, kind of felt the urge of like, you know, I feel like God got something better for me or calling me to a higher place, a higher calling. So mm-hmm. um, I was actually like, I, I felt like I was like on a plane coming home and I kind of like, I believe that I audibly heard the Lord say, like, yeah, I want you to preach. And um, and I don't, still didn't want to do it at that point. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to preach. Like, who wants to, who wants to be a preacher? You know what I'm saying? Listen, like, the people that actively want to do that, it's, I always wonder, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> exactly. That was you always in seminary, like, yeah. You'd be afraid of those who wanted to do this. Like, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Like, it's, it's not just a job where you can just clock out. It's like you mm-hmm. become like it's who you are. Your family's involved and affected by it. Like every, your yeah. every everyday life is not something that you can just wake up and take off, you know, put on and at the end of the day take off. Like it's mm-hmm. a, like, you gotta become and live. And so yeah, I didn't want to do that at all. You know, I talked to my dad, I told my dad, like, yo, I feel like the Lord called me to preach, but I don't want to do it. And then his response was, well, don't do it. Like <laughs> his whole thing was like why can I literally hear that just like very point blank? Yeah, like that's who he is. You know, he gonna keep it all the way real. So it's like I guess from his perspective, it's like if you feel like you can live your life and not do it, then go for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was something that I couldn't do. Like it like it kept calling me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um so I finally gave into it and uh and just trusted trusted God and uh you know now I'm now I'm here trying to do trying to do my thug fizzle. You are doing it. You are definitely doing it. So I just think that's such a beautiful testimony and I wonder like when you reflect on your like prodigal moment or whatever like do you just do you feel like it was necessary and do you feel like you like gleaned a lot out of that that helped develop you as a person yeah as a definitely as a person and even you know as a preacher too i think yeah 
having those experiences kind of brings a little bit more power to you as a person and then even as a communicator right mm-hmm. like you know with the field in journalism or in any other field like i just i just feel like having those experiences making decisions that you made that weren't the best ones and living mm-hmm. out the consequences it just kind of brings forth a certain wisdom about uh who you are as a person and being able to learn from those decisions so for me i feel like i had to go through that so that i could develop my own relationship with christ and mm-hmm. you know you know when i look back seeing that christ was there the whole time navigating even through this stupidity um and then of course like from the preaching side uh, just establishing that power uh and that testimony because i don't think a lot of people like to hear from people who ain't really gone through nothing or who ain't really yeah. made stupid decisions you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. I hear people that they can relate to um and so a lot of that a lot of what i uh, experienced at school in pain at pain uh and even beyond that even while it's seminary, you know what i mean even in seminary still mm-hmm. you know, and, and navigate and grow and mature i think all of that uh grounds my approach to ministry and my preaching absolutely and you know i i think about some things that i experienced and i feel like I didn't really like, I knew God before, but I just felt like through certain experiences, it's like I have an entirely new understanding of who God is and God's love for me and a deeper appreciation for like grace and things like that because of stuff that I went through. And I'm like, had I not experienced that, like, I don't know that it would be that pronounced for me. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel that. Absolutely. I think a lot of times like going through like difficulties and, you know, even whether it's difficulties that we put on ourselves or Mm -hmm. that life throws at us, like it's in those moments where God becomes real. Cause it's like, you know, it's like a, like one of them old hymns that like, uh, you know, if I've never gone through nothing, how would I know that God is real or something that I just kind Mm -hmm. of mess yeah, but. I mean the the message is there. I don't know which one that was, but the the message is intact. I just I just totally messed all that up. Um, but yeah, I mean I think that's what it is. Like you know, going through the valleys and going through you know hell or going through pain or whatever, kind of like yeah, just in a position to be open to the move of God. And if everything was always going well, it's like I wouldn't have to rely or depend on God. So. Um, for me in that moment, it's like, you know, growing up, I didn't have any, I didn't have no, you know, from the family, like they provided for us. We didn't have to need anything. Mm -hmm. So for them to say, you know, go to church, you know, this, you know, Jesus, God, church, Bible, it's all right, cool. But then I go off and figure out things on my own. All right. Now, now the Lord is like, okay, bro. Now, now you, now you are at the spot where I need you to be. So that you can yeah. see who I can be for you. Um, mm-hmm. so that was that was very powerful for me in, yeah. in this whole process of me uh, getting into ministry. Yeah, I love it. You mentioned earlier about um, how going through school and at it with your life experience and stuff, you were able to kind of form your own theology. Um, how would you define it to someone that just wondered, like, what's your perspective on God? 
Man, that's a good question. So a, a lot of what I have uh, thought God to be, you know, kind of up until seminary really was mm -hmm. what other folks told me. Um, and, you know, Sunday school, children's church, you know, Bible study, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, like this is what God is. This is what life is about. And, and not to say that I just completely, you know, forgot or like, reject all of those things that I was taught growing up. Um, but I think a lot of it now, uh, I, I was able to j just get some foundation uh, mm -hmm. under that. So um, a lot of it has to be unlearned. And then I, I was able to kind of glean from my educational pursuits and some of the things that I was exposed to. Uh, so, but to answer your question, how would I uh, explain my theology? Um, I would say that uh, as um, James Cone, who is a black. Oh, yeah, uh, one of the, my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's what they call a black theologian. Uh, but mm -hmm. he, he says that uh, God is on the side of the oppressed. And I think uh, that statement kind of undergirds my theology of who I believe God is. Um, mm -hmm. I think God created uh uh, humanity, God created the universe, and uh, God sent Jesus to save uh, the universe after humanity turned their back on God, and and um, and God established it. God sent Christ to win it back, and I believe that God did that. And whoever believes in that is saved. Now, how do we reflect that and express that? I think that's where like the differences lie with a lot of people. We. Mm -hmm. uh, the expression of your salvation or your your spiritual connection with God uh, has to be grounded in love. Like mm. end of the day, if if it's not rooted in love, then I don't think it's pointing back to God. Because uh, yeah. somewhere in that Bible it said that God is love, and mm -hmm. for us to see like the evangelicals uh, who you know push Christianity, but then at the same time want to keep people oppressed is like. There's a disconnect that that is mm -hmm. there, uh, and you are mishandling scripture, mishandling Christ and Christianity, to where people aren't experiencing the love of God. Instead, they are experiencing oppression and suppression. Um, and so, for my my theology is is said and rooted in the fact um, that love has to be that um, that engine, that fuel that keeps us going. Um, that, that points people back to God, points people back to Jesus, regardless of background, gender, mm -hmm. sexuality. Like, you know, we can, we can argue all day what the Bible says about what sin is, what it, some, like, some of that stuff is like, yo, we're just talking out the side of our neck. Like, how do we mm -hmm. get people back connected to God through the love of God? I think that's what the role of the church should be. Um, so I would say that would be um, kind of like the basis of my theology and really though what really opened my eyes was in seminary i went to a uh it's called the morehouse school of religion it's on the same oh yeah campus as uh clark and spellman and morehouse mm -hmm. and so that was when i learned a lot about like black thought within the bible within the faith mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that we a lot of the stuff that you know probably not so much now as you know 20 years ago whatever but 
a lot of the stuff that we were learning in black church, black churches was coming from the white theology and white yeah. people uh, who framed God and Jesus and scripture with this white supremacist framework mm-hmm. where every the Bible is for white folk. White folk wrote the Bible. God is white. Christ is a American. It's like, no, that's none of that is right. <laughs> uh, so seminary really opened my eyes to that. And uh, I tried to infuse that within my within my communication of the gospel because i think like for black people like we got to be able to see ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, see ourselves in our scripture like what does it say to you know our young people our kids growing up the next generation when they you know when they see or hear about jesus they see themselves or when yeah. they see characters in the bible they look like you you know what i mean i think that that's a different uh to have that mindset would be a different way for them to receive it as opposed to them thinking everybody white and that just yeah. completely off. So um, I said a mouthful, but I think uh, I would say that my theology is rooted in James Cone. Um, God is on the side of the oppressed for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that you're a person that is like leading in ministry and pastoring people. And you have that perspective and had those um, educational experiences yeah. because I. I think that it is and it should be mandatory, but we know that there's a lot that like anybody that, that wants to start a church or start a ministry, like you really just can't, yeah. honestly. And that learning is something that when I got older, I was exposed to more people that had that type of experience right. and they were able to help me understand how the gospel was relatable to my life because as a black woman and someone that aligns with like womanist thought and things like that and very much um deeply rooted in black liberation thought processes i got to a point when i got a little older that i was like i don't know how this is relevant to me because of how it had been framed within the church um experience and it was a friend of mine um who's in ministry to um nick and he had me read a James Cone book because we were in church together. And I was like, I was starting to do like stuff in ministry at the time. I was like, I'm really having a problem with like this. Like, how can I make it relevant to me giving the way that I think and the way that I I understand the world or whatever? And they're like, well, read this and this will help you. And it did. And I just think it's so powerful because I think of so many different things like, um, I think about there was this passage in the color purple where Alice Walker um, and I think it was Suge who might have been saying it. Suge Avery in the book was talking about how the oppressor and in this instance, white supremacy would have you to be so warped in your mind to think that that is the ultimate. Because if you believe God is white and you turn on the radio and it's like, you constantly hear white voices and you go to make your breakfast and it's a white man on the front of the, you know, box of oatmeal, like it warps your mind into thinking like that. So it does, you know, instill a certain level of inferiority and things like that in an already oppressed people. So I just think it is incredibly, incredibly important that, you as a person that is helping to like shepherd people's spirits and whatnot, like have that kind of thought and that type of education because we need it badly. Like black people are, you know, we have always experienced like really challenging things in this country. And we're in a point now where 
there's more that we're going to have to overcome. And the black church, like what I love when people refer to the black church as a she. Um, and I love when people refer to God as a she, but anyways, that's a little squirrel moment, mm -hmm. but the black church in general, I just think about like how, what it meant back in the day and what opportunities, and I'm not going to ask you to grade the church or nothing like that, but like, I'm curious from your perspective, like what opportunities do you think exist to really lean into that sort of thinking to help us become liberated in the, the space that we're living in now? Yeah. I mean, uh, I want to just say a couple of things. One, when you talked about, you know, James Cone and this whole black liberation theology, mm -hmm. um, that really opened the door for other uh, ways of thinking when it comes to theology, because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when we talk about black people being oppressed, then we turn around and oppress each other. Listen, yeah. and then oppress other people. It's like, why are we doing that? <laughs> it feels like, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, so when James Cone came through, and was like, nah, like, you know, there, uh, there is a God who cares about black people. Like the word became flesh and mm -hmm. growth and poverty. Like <laughs> he knows what it feels like to be an oppressed person. And so when he said that, then that opened the door to what you talked about, womanism. That opened mm -hmm. the door to, uh, you know, the LGBTQIA. There's a whole, there's a whole theology centered in on that. And so all of these other kind of thought processes from outsiders or from the margins, uh, you know, they come in and they have a voice to what they believe uh, God is to be and God is to them. And so I think that is very powerful and important when you talk about, you know, the black church and, you know, moving forward is just kind of being being open to having conversations with people from different experiences and different backgrounds and not quick to say the Bible say that to a people who don't know what the Bible is. You know what I mean? So exactly. How do we uh, have those conversations and be open and, uh, and, and say that uh, the God that we serve created everybody. And there's a purpose that all of us, you know, have to be feel, fulfilled in Christ. And so one of the ways I think that is very important is, um, being able to share black history in the church, um, mm. and, and the history that, uh, comes from the Bible, you know, Dr. Darren Williams, he's a pastor here in the city and he, he got a whole book called, uh, the Bible is black history. Mm. And so, like being able to, uh, have like, you know, we, we had Sunday school back when I was, you know, a kid. Uh, beyond that, they would have uh, BYU basically how to teach mm -hmm. kids or like how we we got to have classes sitting around Black history through the lens of the Bible through the lens of uh, being a believer. Um, I think that would be very vital. Um, and then also at the same time is like uh, how do we create a space for the for people who've often been hurt by the church, whether it's Black mm -hmm. men. Uh, whether it's the LGBTQIA, uh, whether it's people who've been neglected by the church, like people who've gone through divorces and things like that. Like, how do we create space mm -hmm. in our faith community where nobody feels neglected and we're all, you know, going through this process together, progressing to the place that God has for us? Because a lot of times, you know, people who've been in church or, you know, for a while like to sit on that hot horse. uh mm -hmm. Um, self-righteous um like they ain't never you know committed a sin um and so i think it's important that the church remains open 
to having conversation. Now, there is the truth that comes out of the scripture uh, that I feel like should be the standard. Like, if we can agree that what, you know, the truth that comes out of the scriptures is the standard, then we could have that, you know, we could have, have that conversation as to what, you know, what that truth is and how we express that truth. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times the church has been so closed off um, that, that people have been completely turned off uh, yeah. to the church, to the institution. And I think that uh, the church still has some things to offer to the culture and to mm-hmm. society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder, do you think that it is necessary and or appropriate for the Black church to be like actively involved in um, activism and like protest demonstrations and things like that? Um yeah, I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, most definitely. I think if we, I think if the church ain't doing that, then what are we doing? Mm. Uh, we're just kind of a social club, uh, you know, separating ourselves from the real world. And you know, we talk about the black church. The black church was birthed in slavery. <laughs> like, okay. I think a lot of times we forget that. Like, with all like the mega church culture and celebrity pastors, and I was like, yo, uh, like we we was birthed in oppression. Like even like not even the black church, just the church as a in general. Like you go back mm-hmm. to school, you read those stories, like all of those stories that we find in scripture emerged out of a context of oppression, whether the yeah. person writing it or whoever they were writing to were on oppression. Mm-hmm. Yep, and even so. Protestantism. I pronounced yeah. that wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that was birthed out of like combating the power yeah. structure at the time. Yeah, yes, being rejected from. from yeah the catholic brothers and sisters so they're like yo you mm-hmm. know what we gonna start our own thing and do our own thing so like whatever context of the church comes to mind yeah. whatever that is it came out of a place of oppression and so especially mm-hmm. for white people it's like uh you know how can we how can we emerge from a, a context of oppression and then like neglect the oppression that continues to exist like there yeah. the church has to lead in that effort of social activism, community development, community organizing, uh, you know, whether that's through the protests, whether that's uh, sitting down with political officials, like mm-hmm. there's always has to, there, there needs to be a space within the context of the black church for those type of movements. Because I mean, Jesus puts it this way, like, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you put, you gave me clothes. When I was in prison, you came to see about me. And they was like, yo, when do we do that? When do we come give you food when you were hungry? When do we give you clothes? When, when do we come visit you when you're in prison? And Christ is like, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it, you've done it also with me. And it wasn't just in his words. It was in his actions. He was sitting down with women. He was having conversations with leopards and, you know, what the Pharisees thought were sinners. And so to mm-hmm. uh, see Christ moving through the streets, reaching out to people who've been labeled as outsiders and misfits, like that's what we have been called to do. And so when the church is not doing that, that's when we are operating outside of God's will for the life of the church. Um, But when we are doing that, that's where the church is at its height. So you talk about the civil rights movement, uh, even before that, even with Nat Turner and and mm-hmm. the legacy that the black church has established from slavery has always been rooted in fighting back, you know, organizing, reaching out, making sure that other folk who have been uh, neglected have their needs met. 
And so I think that is the major uh, priority for the church. Like that to me is like the social expression of the spiritual connection that we have with God. Um, yeah. Meeting the needs of other people who have been marginalized. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying about like living into um, the truth of what the, the church's history has been. I was just listening to something recently and it might've been church last Sunday. Um, Cause you know, pastor has really been on it. Uh, Reverend Janae yeah. has really been on it recently, but thinking about the fact that the gospel was first carried by a woman, yeah. like that was the first person that went out to, you know, share the gospel in the world. And we're, things are now like on a mainstream scale, like it's, it, it's so frustrating. Um, but I love the fact that there exists still examples of people that are trying to uphold that standard and push it forward. Um, you were talking about the, the celebrity pastor thing and <laughs> somebody made a post the other day and they were like, I don't need to see your pastor hopping in and out of whips on Instagram. Like, I don't need to see a video of that. And yeah. I was just like, who is doing that? And then I literally saw it on my timeline, like right after that. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm so done with y'all. I'm done with y'all. And you have a presence on social media, but it's very interesting the way that you use it. Mm. Um, I love the. That's because I ain't got no whips. You said, cause you have what? I ain't got no whip style out of That's why I Listen, did. and even if you did, I feel like you would have enough sense <laughs> not to do it. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. just feel like you wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> but you, the way that you use it is like there's a message and then you also like really tap into the humor, the deep wells of humor that exists in the black church. Mm. And I just want to know, like, how, like, how does that play into things? Like, did you always feel comfortable expressing mm -hmm. your humor aside? Like, where does that come from? Man, that's good. I, like, I, like, since I uh, began this journey in ministry, I've always tried to uh, include this creative side that I feel like I have. Like, before mm -hmm. I was preaching, I was, you know, rapping, doing poetry and spoken word. I did not know about the rapping. I feel like there are so many just things that are popping yeah. up, like yeah, the jail like, thing and the rapping. I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> I feel like the college experience is, is its own podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a whole thing. Yes, we'll we'll have to deconstruct if like discovering Jay Johnson, like or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so girl, I was a kid, like uh, as a teenager, my brother, my cousin, and myself, we were a part of this this rap group called the JC squad. And we were Okay, y'all were gospel rappers. Yeah, we were gospel. I was going on tour. We went on tour. We was going to different cities and uh we uh we took that 50 cent song in the club and we flipped it to in the church. Wow. Like, was, oh my god, is this on YouTube or anything? I need oh, to see this. This is pre-YouTube. So, I'm grateful that Don't it's Don't let me find a link somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, uh I, I was you know, I've always tried to like, you know, uh, express myself creatively. So when I felt like mm -hmm. I got called to preach, I, I thought that I had to kind of like make a decision on like, you know, do I have to, can I still be creative or is, and I always thought preaching was like a certain way that you had to preach. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, mm -hmm. the seminary and now part of this PhD program and just continuing to 
be who I am. Like I've, I've come to discover like preaching is beyond the pulpit. In fact, some of the best preaching is beyond the pulpit, beyond the four walls. Um, and, and so whether that's, you know, like you start talking about social media, you know, whether that's using music or uh, using uh, poetry, which is a, 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 such a like a creative legacy in the black community when it comes to poetry, the use of words in general. Um, but then as I'm studying and preaching in this PhD program, it's like there's so many preachers in our history that were so poetic and creative. And then you talk about women in ministry, like black women in ministry, they had to be creative because there was there was no space for them in the pulpit. So mm-hmm. if you you denied them space in the pulpit. They're like, OK, I'm going to go write a book or I'm going to go write yep. poetry. I'm going to go sing a song. And it's like just because mm-hmm. I'm not in the pulpit from the, with this Bible preaching or speaking behind this desk doesn't mean I ain't preaching. Um, Absolutely. So I have to learn how to uh, redefine what preaching is uh, and, and, and figure out a way to, uh, you know, give people the medicine with the candy uh, in mm-hmm. a sense. So for me, you know, I think uh, humor is definitely a great creative uh, communicative tool. Um, to, to communicate your message. Uh, and so when you talk about humor, I think a lot of times it's often neglected in church. I think sometimes we, you know, we can become so serious and solemn and retrospective that we forget to have fun. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Uh, and oftentimes we just continue to think about our pains and difficulties that we don't experience joys that come with the Christian life. Uh, and so it's like, yo, we, at, at some point we got to have fun. So right now I'm actually, um, as a part of my uh, program, my PhD program, I think I've landed on what my dissertation or yeah, my final project will probably consist of. And that mm-hmm. is the role of humor in black preaching. And mm. so I am uh, about to embark on a, a independent study with Dr. Frank Thomas, who uh, started the program at CTS. And we're going to look at this idea of humor in black preaching and um, and the role that, uh, that humor plays when it comes to just communication in general. So I'm not just looking at preachers. I'm also looking at comedians. Like you know, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah there's they, a perfect alignment there. Chris Rock actually <laughs> said that he watched when he was trying to develop his stage presence he watched a lot of black preachers to understand his blocking and his like punching in of certain like lines and stuff like that so yeah this is it's perfect yeah it's a great parallel like we when you think of stand up uh stand up and preaching it's like Mm -hmm. one person microphone they on stage talking to people it's so many different parallels um whether it's like the flow the concept the storytelling um, and so, like, that's what I'm really uh, beginning to study, and then just trying to like in, within the scholarship that I'm that I'm getting in, I want to uh, you know try to use it. You know, well, what good is it to get the information if you're not gonna if you're not gonna use it? So, more recently, I've just uh, been trying to be more intentional with using uh, not just humor, but then also culture. Like, mm-hmm. I think God is God, like. You know, we talked about the Bible saying about Christ is the word made flesh. And so that's like one of my favorite scriptures because it just talks about how 
uh, to me, it just speaks on how God is moving within the culture. And a lot of times we miss out on God because we ain't looking for God. You know what I mean? Like mm. uh, when I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'll just see a post and then like a sermon will come to my mind and I'll just yep. flip it. Um, and, 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 and so like, whether it's, if, you know, Kevin, Kevin on stage talks about this in his master class uh, about like, you know, taking uh, content that's going viral and then mm-hmm. putting your spin. So that's kind of been my angle with social media when I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a, a bipolar with social media. I don't know how you kind of navigate <laughs> it, but like, <laughs> like I was going to, I'll, I'll go hard for like a good two, three months. And then like, mm-hmm. I'll kind of off and like, yeah, I need, I need a moment to kind of just not yeah. be on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I to figure out my, my pattern of consistency. But yeah, I think that humor, social media, uh, and the culture thing uh, for me has been very effective and impactful. Um, not just in social media presence, but even in the pulpit, even being able yeah. to pull different stories and quotes and songs um, to communicate the gospel is definitely uh, something that I that I try to do on an ongoing basis. And because what you talked about though, with that preacher, you know, hopping out the whip and showcasing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, one of the reasons, maybe I don't know, why they would do that is to be, you know, kind of like relatable to the culture. I you can see I mean? that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think they're missing. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're missing it when it comes to this. But I think that's how they're, you know what I mean. Like when they you see a rapper or you see you know an actor or you know or somebody like showcasing. The things mm-hmm. that they have so now the, i guess like as the the preacher trying to engage that same audience they kind of want to showcase that they're cool that they you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that they, they swag or whatever it is uh but it's like that i don't think people look for that with their preachers like, like no or the same thing they look at a rapper for they look at a preacher for it you know what i mean yeah i would hope not but i think that there is a certain avenue where people are they do gravitate toward that because it's more about the personality as opposed yeah. to like the substance because they're not yeah. interested in that it's like oh i fool with him because he do this he do that blah, blah, blah. and it's like okay so what does that have to do with anything yeah, but can but, he preach, though? yeah, yeah. can he <laughs> preach no no and there's a specific person i'm thinking of but i'm not gonna say their name because i do not yeah. want this to be about them <laughs> Um, but I'm like, but they can do a skit though. They can yeah. do a hell of a skit. Yeah. A hell of a production. Yeah. Where is the substance? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? That's the balance, right? Because it's like yeah. you know, this whole this whole idea of like, you know, the argument is like, well, does preacher need rhetoric? Like this kind of sense of like persuasion, like does the gospel need, you know, the the poetic or the storytelling or like these other forms of the humor doesn't need that. Mm. Not necessarily if there's power in the yeah. gospel, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you're not, you're communicating to a certain people and culture who's been yeah. saturated with entertainment. So it's like, I can't not have some form of, you know, humor or rhetoric or entertainment, not to entertain, but to grab mm-hmm. the attention. So it's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to include, I'm all for substance. Like that's all. Yeah. But it's like, Substance needs a little something, like it needs a little something so that people mm-hmm. can receive it. But that's when yeah. you're like, 
when those people that we talk about kind of overdo it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to overshadow the gospel or overshadow the message with your own personality or foolishness that takes away from what we're really trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you think about being sensitive to the people, because we are in a time where there's people that, you know, can't eat. They don't have access to health care. We're living in a housing crisis, like coming up on a recession. So mm-hmm. it's like, how how is it appropriate then, especially in the black church, to be like, look at my wealth right. and people are perishing? It's like there's also like a level of tone deafness that comes mm-hmm. along with it. But um, I just mm-hmm. I just feel like you bring up so many, so many excellent points about um, utilizing those things to to be relatable to people in terms of like the humor and the different references and stuff like that. Um, I just think is really beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, there was something I was going to say about that, but I don't know, lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. As you think about that, I'm another sure it'll come back. Yeah. Another, another piece that's important though uh, is like the storytelling behind like filming or, or plays yeah, and I think like mm-hmm. the race community, you, you know, that's what they call, you know, like certain films now that kind of point people to God or about the church. Like, I don't know about the church is like, I, it's a turnoff for me because it's like over dramatic, or it's yes. like, or focuses in a lot about church hurt, or like, or the pastor that slept with so many women now. Child, there's 80,000 movies like that. And I'm like, I really want y'all to stop. Leave it alone. <laughs> like, there's no other angle that we can get from the church. Like, where's the where's the comedy? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Or, like a horror film. I would love to see, like, a horror film regarding the church. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, so for me, I'm, I'm lo- I'm, I love to, like, to push the envelope, to get creative, and to just kind of, because I think the church has so many, the black church, especially has so many stories uh, that we yeah. can tell um, beyond the pulpit that point people to God. Cause a lot of people, you know, people learn differently and receive information differently. So mm-hmm. you, know, you and I can probably sit in the church and listen to a 30, 35 minute sermon and be mm-hmm. cool. Somebody else they meet, they may need like a five minute short film or, yeah. you know, or a poem or something that will ignite something within them to do mm-hmm. something. Positive. So I think again, like the church has to be open to, to uh, other forms of communicating. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you know, it's a good um, point for me to like give Kev on stage his flowers because I'm going through the master class right now too. Um, yeah. And I just think it is amazing how um, people like him and like your, you know, referencing and being able to, you know, put out through your form of ministry to like tap into the wealth that exists there because there is so much. I mean, there's like literally like endless levels of like uh, things to pull from to connect people because mm-hmm. growing up in church myself, like there are so many things that I still tap into this day that came from that experience. Most like that was the first place where you, you learn how to like do public speaking and stuff right. like that. Um, be able to put complete thoughts together, like because there was nothing but space and opportunity 
to try that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would love to see more of that highlight yeah, for sure. Sure. And that's one of the things like, you know, you know, it's always like, you know, if I was the pastor, you know, type stuff. <laughs> I have my own church, uh, but you know, I think um, you know I, I would definitely put an emphasis on that creative piece because I think like mm-hmm. now more than ever, like that's that's what that's what's needed, that's what's yeah. happening, and if we as a church is not, if we're not in that space, debating mm-hmm. or or like you know kind of combating the foolishness, yeah, um, we're, we're missing out on the whole generation, on the whole audience uh, that needs Jesus in a new way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been fabulous. Um, Just such a great conversation. As we wrap up, um, what are some things that you're looking forward to or that you are um, just spending time with right now that are like really top of mind for you? Just like, yeah, some final thoughts. Yeah, sure. Uh, some things that I'm working on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in school and I'm working on this piece mm-hmm. about humor uh, yeah. in the black in black preaching. But I'm also working on the prophetic preaching of Dave Chappelle and how. Mm. Dave Chappelle, yeah. How Dave Chappelle uh, uses humor to communicate truths. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of it uh, is related to, you know, uh, systemic oppression and racism uh, and just kind of sheds light on that. In um, in a humorous way, um, mm-hmm. again, I'm you know in this independent study that I'm I'm very very excited about, and hopefully that it kind of laid a foundation for me in my final uh, my final project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a long way to go with that whole piece. But um, but currently I'm excited uh, about um, challenging myself on uh, communicating the gospel in 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 new fresh ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh i'm working on like a a, a children's book nice yeah a couple of scripts that i that i want to uh kind of shop around with uh, some friends of mine Mm -hmm. for stage or film Uh, or tv uh i would say stage and tv okay awesome stage and tv uh and then um also um being creative in my in my presentation of the gospel within the pulpit, mm-hmm. challenging uh, the audience because right now you know at Eastern Star Church we just kind of reintegrated back into our church, so yeah, uh, a lot of the people that are attending are, are you know been in church for a while, been a part of you know been a part of Eastern Star Church for a while, so mm-hmm. uh, they're you know kind of already saved, already know who Jesus is in a sense, so yeah. I want to be able to challenge them and they're listening to like so like. Um, this past Sunday, I preached a sermon called uh, "You Won't Break My Soul," and I broke. Oh down, yes, yeah, brought down Beyonce's song from a scripture out of Second Corinthians, uh, and so being able to clash both the scripture and the culture, uh, you know, to point this new generation to Jesus always excites me. And so mm-hmm. I'm always trying to think of new, fresh, and idea way, you know, uh, new fresh ideas in different ways to uh to do just that so that's always exciting and that's always good on this end so that's what i'm excited about that is awesome i love that so i'm gonna have to go back and listen to your sermon um because that song has been on like 
over over replay in my life um so yeah definitely gonna have to give that a listen there's another song so i was uh on a call with uh some girlfriends we have a mastermind group um Mm -hmm. once a month so i was on a call with them and one of uh one of them said that they have been listening to break my soul and make it happen by mariah carey like back to back Mm -hmm. and i said i forgot about make it happen so i went back and listened to that and i was like okay this is lit so add that to your playlist at some point Yes, because yeah, Mariah, I just think in general, like she has found ways to even infuse like Christ in her music throughout the years, like in various ways. And that's one of them. I'm just like, okay, she was preaching. And that was on her very first album. So you just got to listen. So I'm going to like a lot of of these songs got a lot of preaching in it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's to a point you made earlier, just to bring it back full circle. It's about what you're looking for. Like, if you are constantly looking to hear from God, like, it, you're going to see it every single where you go. Like, everything right. is going to be an opportunity to um, to hear from them. So that's, right. that's amazing. That's amazing. So how can people keep up with you and learn more about Jay Johnson? Yeah. So uh, you, you can find me on Instagram, okay, at underscore preach doc. Okay, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Uh, that's pretty much the only uh, platform that I'm on right now. Um, mm-hmm. my, my wife and I are uh, um, talking about starting up our podcast again called Love on Purpose. So we were oh, uh, nice. when we got married, you know, we, everybody got the hashtag. You know what I'm saying? When, like the wedding. Yes, the wedding hashtags. Mm-hmm. Our hashtag was Love on Purpose. And, um, and so the idea with that is uh, believing that when God places purpose in the individual, God will also place some people around them to partner up with, you know, to pursue that purpose. And so even yeah. in the context of a marriage, it could be friends, it could be business colleagues, it could be neighbors, like who are those partners uh, that God has placed in your life to, to pursue purpose? And so we were doing that early on in our marriage. We're married almost it'll be four years in September. Since then, we've had two. Congratulations. Kids. Thank you. Since then, we had two kids in a, in, a, in a PhD program, so we've been completely, like, not trying to do that. So now we, <laughs> I put it on her. Like, if you produce it, I'll come and talk. Like, I just want to talk. That's all I want. Lord. <laughs> so, so that's what we're working on right now as well. Yeah. Uh, so um, definitely excited about that. So, um, but right now, I'm just currently on Instagram and hoping to get back on YouTube and those things. Um mm-hmm. You know, continue to push the message uh, of Jesus Christ, and and that people can find hope and purpose uh, in this life. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Preach thank Doc, you. Thank you. Uh, for a fabulous conversation, and I just look forward to seeing all the great things that that are to come. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. All right. Thank you again, Reverend, for such a beautiful conversation. Um, I hope to come and visit the church uh, soon and just to hear you preach on a Sunday in person. Um, So, again, congratulations um, to him and his family for this beautiful, beautiful gift. Um, Again, thank you all for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe, rate and review comment like share do all that stuff you can keep up with me on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok at ebony the writer you can also um, check me out online at ebonychappelle.com as always have a great time and a positive life y'all peace